I maintain a deck called a use case repository for the sales team. And basically it consists of early stage customer stories. So you're arming your sellers with ways that customers are using the platform. Maybe it's not an approved case study. Maybe it's not long written form or on the website or, you know, in all these fancy formats, but you're offering them ammunition that they can work with and use quickly and run with. Alrighty, folks, welcome to another episode of the State of Customer Storytelling podcast, the show that is all about helping you as a B2B marketing leader get the download on the most current practices and strategies related to all things customer marketing and customer advocacy. The State of Customer Storytelling is brought to you by Testimonial Hero. Testimonial Hero helps over 300 B2B software companies easily create stunning video testimonials that close deals faster. You can view examples and find out more at testimonialhero.com. Our guest today is Gabby Contreras. She is the customer marketing manager at observe.ai. Gabby, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. It's genuinely a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And just to kick things off, you know, why do customer stories matter? And, you know, why, why do customer stories and, and customer advocacy matter you know, more than ever, perhaps today? Yeah, I mean, well, as you know, you know, our goal as marketers is to build that human connection with our customers and with our brand and everything that we can do to better drive that connection and really humanize ourselves, especially in the tech industry where I work in. Um, you know, it's it's really important to lean on those stories and those genuine customer anecdotes to really help drive not only conversations between prospects and your sellers, but you know, between the relationships between your customer and your overall brand. So. Uh, I'm a really big believer that customer stories are the lifeblood of an organization, and they can really play a critical role in differentiating, um, you know, marketing efforts, especially when you're in a really saturated market like like I am with uh, Observe AI. Mm, I, I love the term humanize. It's such a accurate and telling term. Tell me more a little bit about that. Like, what does you know humanizing you know mean to you in, in this context? How do you think about that? Yeah, well, I mean, taking a step back to the current state of things that we're in now, right? We've been in the pandemic now for for two years, and I think it's really shown us the the power of staying connected through technology, through things like Zoom, like Slack, and you know, it just I would say humanizing it just kind of has taken a new level now with uh, you know all these different tools that we have in place and i think it's also just shown that when humans are really looking to connect with each other they're going to find a way um and i think that that's where you know things like driving a connection between maybe a story where a prospect can connect with that story and draw parallels between the things that they're looking for and the things that maybe a customer has already seen value with that's kind of where those synergies can start to build Makes a ton of sense. And speaking of stories, I want to hear a little bit more about your story and, you know, kind of how how you ended up, you know, where you are now as, you know, customer marketing manager at uh, Observe AI. Yeah, well, just to give you a little context on, on Observe to, to start things off, you know, we're an intelligent workforce platform that 
help support sales and support teams um, to improve performance through conversation intelligence. So I operate, we operate in the contact center industry um, and work really closely with uh, contact centers all over the world and teams that are also just looking to improve sales and drive revenue. Um, but before I, I joined the, the contact center space, my journey has been, been interesting. I actually started out in the nonprofit world. So I worked in communications and on the development side at Nature Bridge, um, which is an environmental education nonprofit based out of San Francisco. And I would say that in that role, I really learned how to start telling those stories, right? And how to start building those connections um, between our donors and, you know, our, our, our organization and our mission. And I like to say that, you know, all the learnings that I had there have really translated into what I do now with, with Observe in, in our customer marketing world. That, that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, Observe, it's, you know, a startup, but also, you know, a significant company, I think like 250 in employee size, right? So it's not like, you know, it's not brand new. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear more about like how, like, you know, customer advocacy functions and, you know, at Observe. Yeah. And, and maybe we can even just kind of, you know, roll it back a little bit and you can share a little bit of the story because uh, it's, uh, if I believe correctly, you've sort of been building the program there from the ground up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, I guess I'll kind of signal to the, the opportunity that existed when we first even started, you know, doing customer marketing activities, which can really be a range of so many different things. I know it's it's in and of itself a very new function, right? Um, and it typically, like we were speaking about earlier, Sam, you know, you see it a lot in bigger companies, but in smaller companies, sometimes it can be kind of tough to know when is a good time to start, you know, building out customer marketing. And I would say for us, it really happened very organically. Um, my role started as a generalist marketing role um, at Observe. I was the third marketing hire. So really my role consisted of PR, social media, webinars, um, you know, just the list goes on and on, right? Content as well. And for us, it really, I would like to say it all started with a customer panel that we decided to put together um, with three of our, you know, our biggest champions, our biggest executives. And um, just throughout that process, you know, building those relationships with those customers, helping them prep for the call, um, and also just really celebrating them on that um, on that conversation and and also being able to highlight them as thought leaders in their own respective industries, it really was kind of an aha moment for us where it was like, okay, this is something that is it, it's working, it's good. Let's keep figuring out how we can replicate this. Um, and then from there, uh, it really was just about focusing on the relationship building aspect of you know how can we just kind of build a stronger connection between our customers and our brand, um, you know, not only so that we can feature them on, on our marketing materials, but also so that they can have an opportunity to showcase themselves as innovators. And, and I would say that's one really special thing um, with our, you know, our ICP at Observe AI is that these customers, you know, a lot of them operate in a very legacy industry. The contact center industry tends to be a little more outdated and um, it's been a little bit slower in embarking on digital transformation. So for a lot of our customers, you know, working with a platform like Observe AI, which 
brings automation and artificial intelligence to the forefront is really helping them also um, just paint themselves as leaders in digital transformation. Do you have any examples of like how it's benefited them or like feedback that you've heard from the customers? Like, oh, like I got a promotion or like I was invited to speak at this conference. I'd, yeah, that because that is such a good point, like making you know, your customer advocacy, a two-way exchange of value. Yeah, it has. It has. I can definitely think of a couple of customers. Well, I guess there's there's two examples, right? I, I have one customer that I've worked with. Um, and, you know, he, initially he came and spoke on one of our webinars. I kept in touch with him, right? You keep checking in with that customer, building that relationship. Um, and eventually was able to offer him opportunities um, to be mentioned in some PR placements that we were doing. And that was really exciting for him. And it actually helped him build out his portfolio and then move into a role in the new company where he's at now, uh, where he's in a very, very focused um, digital first role that he wouldn't have had that um, you know acumen to be in before, you know, first before using a platform like Observe and second, just amplifying and I guess promoting his own work and, um, you know, organically being able to showcase what he's been able to do successfully. So I would say that's one example. And then the second is more so peer to peer connections, right? Because I think that's another very, very valuable aspect of customer advocacy. You know, it's not just about having your customers evangelize on behalf of your brand. It's also about enabling them to share best practices and to learn from each other and just last week, actually, we had our very first um, customer exchange sessions where we brought in customers um, who were, you know, in similar industries, had similar pain points. And now they are able to kind of connect with each other. And I've had them ask me this week, I'm connecting two of them that are in the logistics space. And, you know, so it's just really rewarding to see not only them grow in their own careers, but also seeing them connect with each other and also build relationships outside of Observe and expand their network outside of, you know, what, what we have to offer them as, as an organization. I love the phrase customer exchange session. I've never heard that. I've heard, you know, I think a lot of people we've heard of customer advisory board, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in is that similar to a customer advisory board or is that, do you think of it, you know, separately and, and to, you know? Yeah, so I would, it's it's separate for us, right? Because I think for an organization like us, and I think maybe a lot of listeners can also relate to this, um, you know, your user persona and your buyer persona are two very different people, right? So, you know, it's, uh, and it's, there's also a difference between user testing on the product side and, you know, just allowing customers to learn from each other to deepen their usage. And so that's kind of that sweet spot where we're kind of exploring these customer exchange sessions. Um, basically, they consist of us bringing together between 10 to 12 customers. So no more than that. We find that bigger numbers than that kind of dilute the experience. Or 90-minute, um, you know, we're still remote. So 90-minute uh, Zoom call. And we will have one or two customers lead a presentation about what they've been able to gain out of the platform and specifically, you know, how are you using these features? What are the ways that it's helping you? What are the blockers that you're facing? 
And um, we had such great receptiveness to the exchange sessions. We had customers really engaging and asking each other questions, particularly around a new feature that we that we have some beta users on and it's going to be launching the next couple of months. So just allowing that excitement to generate about an upcoming launch and allowing them to share their learnings and um, just allowing them to connect with each other and, and really hear beyond just the customer success manager, okay, the, this is a real life example of how a customer is using you know, this feature and this functionality. Um, and yeah, the response has been wonderful. That's awesome. Um, that is, I love, that's just a tactical tip that anyone can, that's like a whole new format of customer event. And uh, I love how you just laid it out. And so that being said, I'm sure you didn't, you know, start there immediately. There was probably some quick wins that you had to get, you know, before you, you got to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me more about that. You know, how, how, how have you learned, what, you know, what have you learned about, you know, how to be scrappy with limited resources and get those quick wins when you're, you know, starting um, your and building your um, customer marketing and customer advocacy function? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I think first and foremost, it all starts with the, the relationships. The relationships are the number one thing. The relationships between you and your customer success team, the relationships between you and the customer, obviously, the relationship between you and the sales team, all of those things should be your your first priority when you're starting out. And I mean, if you're still in like the first 30 days of, of, you know, a customer marketing role and trying to figure out, you know, where do I, which way is up? I think one of the best places to start is to look at what you already have. You know, surprisingly, we often have you know, old content that we look at with, you know, disdain, but really it can be repurposed and repackaged. Think about how you can maybe redesign the case study slide so that it tells a better story. Talk to your sales team, understand what are the formats that they're looking for. You know, is maybe a PDF document going to be more helpful to them? Maybe building out a format in PDF as well, or having a lookbook of some of those top anecdotes. Um, One of the things that I do is You know, obviously getting case studies approved takes between six to nine months. It's a long cycle. So I maintain a deck called a use case repository for the sales team. And basically it consists of early stage customer stories. So it's about, you know, here's this customer. This is how they're using the platform. Um, Maybe here's a quote. And the whole idea is that you're arming your sellers with ways that customers are using the platform. Maybe it's not an approved case study. Maybe it's not a long written form or on the website or, you know, in all these fancy formats that we as customer marketers like to lead with. But you're offering them ammunition that they can work with and use quickly and run with. Because ultimately, that's, you know, the biggest thing, right? You want your sellers to be able to run with these things. So I would say lean into slides a lot. Um, those are going to be easier for you and easier for them to also leverage quickly. Um, so yeah, repackaging slides. Um, the other thing is, uh, well, I guess that's the first phase, right? Those are kind of the quicker, quicker wins. Um, I would say the next phase is, you know, build out a reference selling motion. Um, it sounds more complicated than it than it can be, right? It can just be, um, you know, a matter of putting together a list of maybe five customers who you want to talk to and get permission from. And then you work with the sellers, you can set up maybe group reference calls, right? If, if you don't really have a lot of customers to go to, that's okay. Set up group calls where the seller can invite 
one or two customers on the call and you're not, you know, using up too many asks with these references um, and just communicate with the customer. Right. You know, you always want to make sure that you're not, you know, making too many asks. So just keep that candid line of communication and just let them know, you know, hey, if this is ever getting too much or too overwhelming, if we're ever making too many asks, please just let me know. Um, and you'd be surprised. A, a lot of them, once you've built that relationship, they're really willing to help. That, that's fantastic. And you're so right that like relationships are the lead domino that kind of starts everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's such a good point. Um, and let's see, in terms of, um, you mentioned also like having a bias for action, um, you know, Tell me more about that. Like, what is uh, what, what does having a bias for action mean? Yeah. You know, uh, in this context. Yeah, I mean, in the startup world, you have to have a bias for action first and foremost, and you learn that very, very quickly because you don't have all the resources that you do at a big company. You're expected to move faster, and you're expected to deliver a lot of results. Um, and I would like I'll give an example of a way that I started kind of implementing bias action quickly in ways that listeners can too. Um, when a deal closes, right, that is an opportunity for you to connect with that new customer, right? And um, we started building out, I guess, what you would call a win-loss program, primarily with the objective of connecting with customers right after the deal closes. And so essentially, you know, by setting up 30 minutes, maybe 45, if you can, if they are willing to meet with you for 45 minutes, that's ideal. Um, But it's an opportunity for you to not only learn about their buying experience. So, you know, why did you buy with us? Who else were you exploring? Um, What would you say is the biggest difference between us and the competition? But you're also, you know, kind of building rapport with that person, with that buyer champion and at the end of that call, I, w- I will always ask, you always just ask, you know, we love to showcase um, thought leaders and innovators like you. Would you be open to participating in any, you know, marketing opportunities with us in the future? And you'd be surprised. A lot of people are willing to participate and, and take part in that. And a lot of times you'll get a yes. And sometimes I will even go as, Uh, Or I've even, you know, just from that conversation, put together like a short little blog um, or just it can even just be where you can grab some nice quotes from the conversation and you just ask that the customer for approval. And it's it's not that it's a case study, right? You're just kind of wanting to showcase a customer voice or a buyer's voice, like why this person went with Observe AI, why this person went with your company. Um, And it's just an opportunity to just not only start building those relationships, but also get content going. You know, it doesn't have to be a long form narrative. It can just be a, a small quote card with their picture and their company logo. And sometimes that can just be a way to kind of move quickly and get more more things out there that are going to help humanize your brand. I love that. And what, what did you call that? Um, it was the post-sale buyer experience call or what was what was the term? Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's really, it's a, a win-loss call, right? Because your, your win-loss program, um, really the main objective of, of a win-loss program is to understand why you win and also why you lose. So I really do recommend if, if you want to go that route, um, you know, think through it, you know, think through it a bit and also 
find ways to send out surveys to deals that have also been closed lost, as well as deals that are closed won. So that way you can get a full perspective on why are we winning? Why are we losing? What are the gaps that we need to fill? And it's going to help build a really strong relationship between you and your sales team. And you're going to be able to have kind of that that trust with them um, that you're sharing those those very, uh, very, it's very, very valuable information. So it's um, like killing two birds with one stone. You're building the relationship with the customer. You're also sharing insights back to sales and you're helping to inform the the, the selling motion, right? And, and improving it, which when you're early stage, um, you know, any of those insights are really going to help play a big role. You mentioned building that relationship with sales, which is so key. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's dig into that a bit. You know, how do you, you know, we hit on a few things, but how can, you know, customer marketers build that trust and that relationship? And where does that start? It starts with talking to your sellers. I think it can be a little intimidating at first when you don't, when you're coming in, you're new, you don't really know, you know, what, you know, what to expect. I know I sure was intimidated when I first started working with the sellers and talking to them, but Really, that's where you're going to understand how, like, what what they need from you. And um, I always like to think of it as as try to connect with the three seller archetypes, right? You know, the the one that is kind of the all star, the rock star. We all know which that seller is. The one that asks a lot of questions. You know, it's, sometimes they're off topic, but we love them for it. Um, and you know, the one that is really willing to work with you and and the one that can gain a lot of help from collaborating with you on these stories. Um, and I would say, you know, take it a step further and, and find one seller that you want to work with. Maybe one that, you know, could use a little bit more help um, to move their, their deals along and test out, you know, the customer story with them. Help them, help them, you know, use the story in their communications with the prospect help them draft up communications, um, help them practice their talk track. And if you're able to work with the seller and bring that deal to close after having helped them and integrated that value selling of the story into the deal cycle, you have an internal case study right there proving out the value of customer marketing. And then you and that seller can go back and have maybe an enablement session where you can share with the rest of the sales team, hey, this person, you know, saw success by using this story in this context. Here's how you can do it too. Um, so it's really about making them actionable. And I would say that that's an area that's kind of an area of focus for me right now is I want to go from, you know, making just the case studies and the content and this and really working with the sellers to integrate it into their process and get feedback and make sure that it's really offering them value, right? Because if you're just churning out content, and they don't even know, you know, how to use the story or how to talk about it, then, you know, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. So true. And you mentioned proving value. Tell me a little bit more about that. You know, how uh, it's obviously, you know, different at different companies, but how do you, how do you all at Observe, you know, think about proving value with all things, you know, customer advocacy and customer marketing? Well, with our customers, um, I mean, yeah, so I'll give an example. I would say for us, um, proving value has been really driven in large part by our investment in having a third party review strategy. So what I mean by that is, you know, you're probably familiar with 
Captera, we use G2, Trustpilot, all these third-party review platforms, they're democratizing information for buyers in a way that was never accessible before. So if you're not investing in driving your presence in one of these platforms, you're really limiting yourself um, from building that credibility. And we've put in a lot of effort collaborating very closely with the customer success team to get uh, reviews on G2 Crowd. And it's helped, it's played a huge role in proving out our value, making us more credible. And it, it also motivates the team. So we recently got, um, so we're in the, I mean, I think most quadrants, the upper right-hand quadrant is the one where you wanna be, right? So we finally made it into the upper right-hand quadrant where um, we're a leader in our, you know, in our respective category. And, you know, it was really exciting to announce it. And our customers were excited. The team was really excited because they were the ones driving this effort. And the sales team was ecstatic, right? Because now they can, you know, include those badges, um, include that recognition on all of their discovery decks. It gives them more ammunition to go into these calls and, you know, it's it helps us close more deals. Like, I think 10% of our sales qualified leads came from G2 Crowd last quarter. And that just kind of goes to show, you know, it's it's a very, very good opportunity for you to get your brand in front of people who are looking for solutions in, you know, in the categories that you operate in. You mentioned um, collaborating with the customer success team. Um, tell me a little bit more about that. You know, what have you learned to just really you know, drive success with the review program? So the customer first, the customer success team has all of the keys. They are the main person that you want to have very strong relationships with because ultimately when you're doing advocacy activities in general, you know, they're trusting you to not ruin their relationship with the customer, which is very valuable for them. So I, I, first off, building the relationship with the CS team starts with, you know, setting up one-on-one -on -one conversations uh, with your customer success managers. It starts with hopefully having shared OKRs because that way, you know, you're both kind of working towards that same goal and it's a shared goal. So everyone is invested in getting and making it happen. Um, and with the, the reviews, you know, I worked very closely with the CS team to make sure that we were, you know, this is before we had, uh, gosh, it was a very manual process. It started out very manually because we just didn't have a, a clean database when we started doing this. Um, but it started out with, you know, having them give us like, who are the customers that we can make an ask of? Here's the email template for you to send them. Here's, you know, make sure that you use this link so that it incentivizes them with a $50 gift card. Luckily now, um, and I really recommend trying to build out your, your database if you can, just to make things easier for you, uh, just pulling a list based off of NPS scores, based off of, you know, you wanna make sure that customers have been live at least three months on the platform. For us, it's three months at least, in order to be able to prove out that value. Um, and making sure that the customers that are being contacted are ones that, we feel are gonna, you know, give us positive reviews, right? You don't, you don't want to reach out to some customers who are maybe not having the best time and are working through, you know, some some challenges with integrations or things like that. 
Um, but I would always kind of take the list, review it with the CS team. Is there anyone on this list that you think should not get reached out to? Uh, and then from there, working with G2 to send kind of the automated outreach. Um, and they have a phenomenal, you know, CS team on, on the G2 side and they really help us get the, the emails out. But we do it on a monthly basis and it has really shown results instead of quarterly. Every month you have a goal and you send out you know, the email requests every month. And that has really been successful for us and, and kind of reaching, you always want to reach a little higher than where you think you can go. Right. It's always that stretch goal that you want to stretch goal. It's probably not the right word here, but just a goal that is a little bit higher, setting the bar high so that you can, you know, really try to punch above your weight because that's always our goal as startups, right? We, we need to be punching above our weight and we have to kind of hold ourselves accountable with that, with the goals that we set. Such a good point. And speaking of you know reviews and different mediums and formats for customer content, you know how do you personally think about these different you know these different mediums and you know where they fit into the mix? You know, uh, third party reviews, you know, the more traditional, classic, written case study, whether it's in you know, online or PDF, um, you know, video, customer video content, video testimonials video case studies, short customer video clips. Um, yeah, how do you think about all these kind of like different different formats and mediums? I mean, first and foremost, you have to know your audience, right? Every company is going to be different. Even though we are a tech company where I work, our audience um, is a bit more traditional, right? It works in a little bit more of a traditional industry. So we have to find creative ways to still be able to take advantage of some of these more engaging formats like video clips, but also make sure that we're delivering the PDF case study format, which is not dead for our for the, the buyers that we have in our space. So first, knowing your audience. Um, but then second, I, I really do think having a diverse, um, diverse types of content plays a really big role in just helping, you know, I guess, allow readers and, and prospects to consume what they want to consume. So short video clips are very engaging. You know, they're a great way to, you know, leverage them on social media. Um, they're a great way to showcase customers. They're a lower lift. So you don't have to, you know, be overly produced with them. And I think in general, the, the time that we live in right now is great for a marketer because um, it's, it, there's not that expectation anymore of having that highly produced studio video with the perfect lighting. You know, it's, it can really be about sending customers, um, you know, a, a tripod and, and working with them to, to pull together a testimonial video. Or I even, at one point I was capturing, you know, just recording on zoom and, and using that as a way to turn it into a, a webinar or a podcast, right? You don't have to, think that to create different types of content, you are forced to have all the resources in the world. I mean, you have tools nowadays like Canva, which can help so much to just clean something up. And I, I used, I've used iMovie to edit, I don't know how many podcasts, right? So there are just different ways that you can get creative and scrappy with what you're doing. Um, and also just create diverse types of formats. Um, you can also do like 
audio clips, um, super late on maybe a picture with a quote, or just turn that into an audio podcast. No, no image if maybe the video quality was not as good as you were expecting. But it's all about just thinking outside of the box and getting creative with, I have this piece of content. How many things can I splice it into and use forever, right? And just rotate out. Such a good point. And in terms of that, you know, audio and video, I think the nice thing is like, yeah, you can kind of take that master medium and then you can, you know, you can pull the text, you can pull the transcript and, you know, and, or you can pull the audio and yeah, yeah. Such, such a good point. What do you think is changing in customer, you know, marketing and customer advocacy? What do you, what do you see, you know, if you look into your kind of crystal ball, you know, what, what, where do you see things going in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say customers are much more like they know what's happening now. I think uh, they know that, you know, you want their time and they also want to gain something from it, too. Right. And I mean, I know that that's how it's been for some time now, but I think now there's just more clear of a of an expectation that, you know, it's a two way street. So the customers are more engaged in, okay. What's it going to be for me and for my business? And I would say if you're working with um, like mid-market brands, you know, that's an even more amazing opportunity to create that two-way street and, you know, be able to offer them that same brand recognition and brand visibility. But if I were to look into my crystal ball, one thing that I'm very intrigued to see how it pans out is the evolution of the metaverse channel. Right. And I think we're all learning what that means. What, what, what is the metaverse? What does that mean? And I think being able to create very interactive experiences where we can genuinely surprise and delight customers, um, the metaverse, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how that goes and how that will really change the way that um, we connect with customers and that customers connect with each other. Right. Um, so that's, I would say, one area that I'm, I'm very, very curious to see how it evolves. Yeah, we we might uh you know be doing our virtual uh, customer advisory boards with yeah. you know, avatars and and yeah, yeah. it's uh, very very exciting and yeah. I I love that point about just more of a clear expectation right like nowadays like people you know customers aren't surprised or like you know it's, so it's good like they're 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 open to it mm-hmm. and like you said like they just are expecting it to be a, a two-way exchange of value, you know, as it should be. Um, Gabby, this has been uh, this has been absolutely fantastic. Where can uh, our listeners, you know, connect with you, follow you, get in touch with you if they want to, you know, connect or, or learn more about you? Definitely. Well, feel free to find me on LinkedIn, uh, Gabriella Contreras. I'm the only Gabriella at Observe AI, so you should be able to find me with a with a quick search and. I'm very open to to meeting and, and just sharing my learnings and, and offering any insights or, or feedback, um, you know, as, as you're building out the customer marketing function. But I would say the biggest piece of advice is, you know, don't be afraid to move to move fast, right? Don't be afraid to make the ask. Don't be afraid to ask for permission. Um, I would say that that kind of held me back for some time, just kind of getting past that that fear. But the reality is, you know, we we operate in a in a favors based um, world, right? That's what marketing is, and I think it's it's all about the relationships that you can build and the trust that you can drive, um, and then it no longer feels like a favor. 
Such good advice. Gabby, this is fantastic. Thank you again for being on the show. We might have to do a round two sometime. Yeah, definitely, Sam. I really appreciated the time and, and thank you so much. Alrighty, folks, that's another fantastic episode of the State of Customer Storytelling with Gabby Contreras of Observe. A couple, uh, well, I had a lot of takeaways there. That is, this was a jam-packed episode. You know, just to quickly run through a couple of the top ones, everything starts with relationship building. That was something, you know, Gabby brought up again and again, and it's so true, you know. Um, you know, it all starts with actually having that good relationship and, and that takes effort. And um, also, don't be afraid to move fast on that. And, you know, it's ne- there's never going to be the perfect time. So, you know, you just have to have, you know, actually put it, you know, a bias towards action. Also, we talked about customer exchange sessions, which is a really, you know, exciting format uh, that I know for one, I am looking forward to trying out with, with our customers, um, 10 to 12 customers, 90 minute Zoom call, you know, having one or two customers lead that conversation specifically, really, really exciting, you know, tactical takeaway there. A lot of really good stuff about how to um, get started and, and just build, you know, value really quickly. Can you repackage existing content? Can you, um, you know, redesign new formats with existing content? And you're know, talking to sales. Can you, you know, arm your sellers with, you know, a use case repository and, you know, ways customers are using the platform, even if it's not like an official, you know, approved case study that can be, you know, shared publicly, you know, you can still, you know, help them immediately on their calls with those stories. Uh, We also talked about building out, you know, reference selling motion um, and also the win-loss program. Really, really good takeaways around that. Um, and then, you know, last but not least connecting, you know, connecting with sellers, uh, so, so important. And, um, I love the idea of the, of these, you know, having a broad range of archetypes to connect with, uh, from your sellers, the all-star, um, you know, the, you know, someone who's coachable or, you know, maybe, you know, what really wants to see improvement that you can help. So many, so many good takeaways there. I could go on, uh, but we'll just have to listen to the episode again. Um, That was Gabby Contreras from Observe. And thanks so much uh, for listening to the State of Customer Storytelling. And we'll see you in the next episode. 